Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily, our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good people. It's January the 11th, Tuesday, 2022. This is Wake Up Ray G. Welcome. Happy you're here. Wake up. We got to wake up. It was a late game. Late game for us. So we're all trying to get in the groove. Jay, how you doing this morning, baby? I am so excited to have a day off. Let me tell you, we had Monday Night Madness out in Vegas. We had the Natty or Sunday night. We had just madness out in Vegas. We got Monday night, late night, Natty. Long game, man. Felt like it dragged on forever in the fourth quarter. Tonight, freedom. But yes. it was a great game. It was a great game. Yeah. So hats off to Georgia. National champions. National they earned champs, it. Baby. National Talked champs. a lot of smack about Georgia. Said they couldn't do it. Pretty nah, wrong. man. I mean, listen. To them. The, the betters had them favored by two and a half, three points last night. And uh, it was a good game. You know, it started off as a, as a traditional SEC powerhouse battle. Um, but ultimately, the best team in the country, top to bottom, Georgia was the best team this season. Um, they won that game. And we know Alabama dealt with a lot of adversity towards the end uh, of the season, losing uh, John Mechie, one of their best wide receivers, and then last night uh, losing their best player. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But overall, top to bottom, man, uh, best team in the country won. Stetson Bennett, uh, just a true testament of uh, – I mean, the fact that that dude was like buried fourth, fifth on the depth chart, was there for multiple years and, you know, ends up beating out five-star recruit, holding that job and winning the national championship. I thought that was one of the coolest things just to see the joy and jubilation on his face uh, for accomplishing something that, you know, we'll never get a chance to do. Very few people get a chance to do is win a championship at one of the highest levels of competitive sports. So uh, shout out to Georgia. Shout out to Kirby Smart. Shout out to the Bulldogs. The state of Georgia is having a good year. The Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. Uh, the, the Georgia Bulldogs winning the national championship. Unfortunate that the football team down there in Georgia, the NFL team, is not very good. Uh, but it's been a solid year for the uh, for the state of Georgia. So shout out to the whole state of Georgia. We'll talk about that national championship game in a few. But there was a lot of NFL news that popped off yesterday. A lot of coaches without a job. Jay, you want to uh, get us into the news uh, after we do the morning run? You got it? You okay with that, man? Yeah. Jay, can you, can you handle that or do you need me to do it? Can you handle it? I got it. I got right, it. I was hoping for AirPods just cut out on me. Oh, so I was shit. like, wait a minute. What just happened? Together, we good, man. Baby. Let's we go. Good. Let's, Let's get, get into, into the morning run. All right. Wake up. This is the morning run. All right, Jay, who got fired yesterday? So yesterday, we saw Mike Zimmer get fired along with Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and Rick Spielman. So that's basically the front office and coach or GM and coach from Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. Both kind of expecting that. But the big surprise was actually Brian Flores out of Miami. 
Now, there's a lot of different conflicting reports on what's going on with Brian Flores and Chris Greer, the GM for the Miami Dolphins. People believe that Chris Greer wanted to move forward with Tua Tagovailoa as their starting quarterback, while Brian Flores was heavily advocating for them trading for Deshaun Watson. We talked about how Deshaun Watson, tra- um, he waived his no-trade clause for Miami. There was a lot of speculation as to whether he would end up there. Ultimately, now, Brian Flores, Chris Greer, they've parted ways. Um Ross, the owner, to, to stick with Greer, get rid of Flores. Flores is going to be a hot coaching candidate now that he's available. I'm not really sure what happens with Flores. I'm not sure what happens with Greer and, and who they bring in. Ross already said he's not going to bring in Harbaugh because he is also a Michigan alum. So ta- there's already those rumors swirling. So we'll see. You know, Ultimately, these coaches kind of had to go. We knew Nagy was already getting fired. Zimmer was on his way out with the way Minnesota had been playing. Flores was a surprise. And so we'll see what Miami chooses to do to go on a seven-game losing streak and come back with a seven or actually an eight-game win streak by the end of the season is something we will hopefully never see again, but a testament to Brian Flores as a coach. We've seen the ups and the downs with Flores, but I think overall, very essential for him to be an excellent head coach in the NFL. The obviously other surprising news was Jamison Williams going down yesterday with a non-contact knee injury. All the Twitter doctors were all out there saying it's an ACL, MCL. We are waiting for an MRI confirmation on that, but everyone expects him to have an MCL. I know people are saying, oh, well, he's walking off the court, off the field, blah, blah, blah. You know, we've seen various things happen. Roberts Woods did a full practice, found out he had an ACL later on in the day. I'm expecting it to be a torn ACL. If it's not, we'll see. But I'm curious kind of what happens with his future prospects now. We've seen players kind of think about coming back. Mechie, same scenario, about a month ago, tore his ACL. Is he going to come back at Alabama is he gonna, or is he going to go to the NFL draft? Jamison Williams, like you talked about right yesterday, should be or could be the first receiver off the board He's not going to be now, not with that ACL injury. I just don't see that happening. Curious your thoughts as to the injury itself, the game from last night. We already talked about Georgia 1 and kind of where you think Jamison Williams heads from here. 1,500 yards receiving last year and now has a torn ACL heading into draft season. Yes, it's unfortunate, man. You just, every year we see it happen. Every single year, um, you know, uh, about, I believe it was 2016, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Jalen Smith was projected to be a top five pick, shreds his knee up in the final game versus Ohio State, drops the second round. Uh, last night when Jamison Williams kind of reverse pivot to, to track that ball, Bryce Young had to hurry the ball out a little bit, uh, couldn't lay it out there for J-Mo to run underneath it. He had to slow down, turn around mid-route, um, and you knew something bad happened. Just It looked bad on the field without the replay and then the replay you see all you could just tell something something bad happened uh limped off the field what's that mean for him moving forward i mean he tore he tore something 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 is not right in his knee acl mcl i'm not a doctor um but it doesn't look good for jamison williams now the good thing is I, i think he put enough on paper this year enough on tape where an nfl team is going to say i see the talent ACL injuries are not the death sentences of the past, and they're still going to draft him relatively high. Is he going to come off of the board as the first wide receiver? Strong chances, absolutely not. No, not with the depth in this class. Um, It's going to push some other guys up a little bit higher, cause Jamison Williams to fall a little bit. Where he falls to, I I don't know. In my opinion, he's still a second-round pick at worst. At worst, I don't think he's falling outside of the top 64 players in this draft. And he's one of those guys that's probably going to start the season 
um, probably on the pup list, and maybe you get him back midway through the NFL season next year. Um, I still believe in the talent. He's a he's you can tell. I mean, just as easy as he got down the field on Georgia, it was. He was he was due for a big game. Those those defensive backs uh, didn't want any of those JMO problems. Unfortunate for him. We talked about him yesterday, I believe, in our mock that we did yesterday. He was coming off of the board uh, right at 110. So uh, it was 110 at Jamison Williams, 111 Sam Howell, and 112 David Bell, the wide receiver out of Purdue. I think what this does, and when we're looking at it from a, a fantasy perspective, a dynasty perspective, rookie drafts, um, it's gonna it's gonna cause Jamison Williams to fall down the board, maybe to the mid second. So as we go through the second round of this draft, you tell me where you would slot Jamison Williams at, right? Like so when we're going through, because the second round is where shit gets interesting. Um, it gets real interesting. We're gonna have a lot of dissension, a lot of debate in the second round of this Superflex rookie mock. And it's, uh, it's an interesting parallel to kick off because the player coming off of the board uh, at the top of the second round, uh, he also suffered an ACL injury this season, made it back towards the end of the season, really didn't make a huge impact last night. He had one big play, one big catch. Uh, I'm talking about Georgia wide receiver George Pickens coming off of the board at 201, player 13 overall, Superflex 2022 rookie mock draft 5.0. George Pickens, like I said, tore his ACL early uh, in the summer, I believe. it was Maybe it was the spring or the summer, worked his way back. I believe it was the spring he tore his ACL. Uh, worked his way back, came back on the field towards the end of last season. Uh, made a big play last night, but sort of was a part-time player after returning, which is probably the smart thing from Georgia doctors, not to overwork him, not to, you know, to, to push him too far. Uh, they have got an outstanding core of pass catchers there already with Jermaine Burton and, and Brock Bauer, so no need to force George Pickens on the field. Uh, the question is, uh, how healthy is Pickens and where does he go in the NFL draft? I think that's the that's the biggest sort of question mark around George Pickens. I've heard some rumblings that maybe the NFL isn't as high on George Pickens as maybe we are in the fantasy space. I love him, man. I mean, you see the downfield ability, uh, you know, the, the defensive back. He got away with a little bit of a push-off, but all wide, great wide receivers are able to subtly push away the defensive back. You see the outstanding body control, the hands. He's a massive target. Uh, you know, it's it's going to come down to how teams feel about his health, his knee, uh, his explosiveness. Can he separate at the next level? But right here at the top of the second round, you know, you, you say J-Mo goes down, everybody gets pushed up. George Pickens is looking at looking like a potential first-round pick in rookie drafts. I'm a fan of the big playmaker. You know, this uh, as a freshman, he had 727 yards, eight touchdowns, uh, broke out at 18 years old. Uh, so he, he has early production, doing it in the SEC. Big fan of George Pickens. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where he gets drafted, what the NFL thinks about him, what landing spot he hits. Um, but I like the talent. I think he's a top, you know, top six or seven wide receiver in this class, no doubt. And that's pretty damn solid considering the group that we have ahead of him. So George Pickens coming off the board at 201, followed by one of my favorite wide receivers in this class, a player that's growing on me every single day. Every time I turn on the tape, when you start to dive into his analytical profile, it's Kentucky wide receiver Wondell Robinson. Now, Wondell spent two years at Nebraska, and when he was at Nebraska, he was kind of a gadget wide receiver running back we no one really knew what he was it's like man is he a running back is he a wide receiver is he ever going to get an opportunity to try to play as the guy and he did he transfers to Kentucky playing in the SEC 
and he was dominant, absolutely dominant at a traditional wide receiver role, playing the X, playing the Z, and playing outside, inside at the slot. 104 receptions, 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns. He only carried the ball seven times this year, so they didn't even use him as this running back role. Carried the ball seven times for 111 yards. Wondell, it, I, I'm just, for me, he's top five. He's a top five wide receiver. He's dynamic. He's got the special team's ability. Uh, we, we got to see him do it outside in the SEC this season. Uh, this is a player that I think is going to be drafted inside the top 50 when it's all said and done. In Kentucky, you know, the last kind of dynamic wide receiver that they had like this uh, some years back, Randall Cobb turned out really well in the NFL. And I just think his talent, his skill set, I don't even think you have to be so creative with him because he showed that he can just play your traditional outside wide receiver role. Really loving what I'm seeing out of Wondell Robinson. And if I could pick him up at the top of the second round, uh, I'm a happy camper. Really, really happy camper. Now, at 203, we're going to completely switch positions. We haven't talked about this position in quite some time. Uh, three picks, to be exact. But we're going back to quarterback, and we're going to a quarterback mold that people hate. Y'all hate it. I know you hate it because you didn't like Mac Jones. You want the Lamar Jacksons and the Kyler Murrays. This quarterback gives you an absolute zero on the ground. And I mean probably negative on the ground. But when you're talking about the best thrower of the deep ball, probably the best pure passer in this draft class, it's none other than Nevada's Carson Strong. Uh, big boy, you know, six foot four, uh, 220 pounds, can put the ball in tight spaces down the field. You just look at Carson Strong's film, just look at his highlights and look at the throws where he is dotting uh, the wide receiver on the sideline 40 yards down the field. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, he can make the uh, sideline, the hat far hash to sideline throw. That's what you want to see. Can you be on one hash of the field and get it to the other side of the sideline on that out route? Carson Strong, massive, massive arm. Just a zero in the mobility department, a zero in the athleticism world. He is not going to run the ball at all. At the point during the season, his prop bets for rushing yards were like negative two and a half. That's what Carson Strong's prop was from the rushing perspective. Will he have fewer or more yards than negative two and a half, negative four and a half? That's Carson Strong. So it's going to be, he's going to have to go to a situation where they've got an offensive line around him to protect him and the weapons to distribute the ball. Uh, I, I still think he's in play to be a first round pick at quarterback because of the fifth year option. Most likely, in my opinion, probably projects as a second round type guy, but supply and demand in the NFL. We look across the 32 teams. There's some teams that need to find some QB help, and the cheapest place to do that, obviously, is the NFL draft, where you can control the contract length. You can sort of uh, the money is already scaled and set. So I think Carson Strong in a super flex league coming off the board at 203. Look, we learned that lesson with Mac Jones last year. Um, even though he's not an elite fantasy player, he had his moments where you needed a quarterback. You threw Mac Jones in there, and if you started him the week, he got you three touchdowns. He helped you win. A, he helped you win a week. Um, he's very much in the Mac Jones role, but a much more uh, prolific arm than Mac. Now, Mac's you know level of competition, maybe the processing, decision making, a little bit uh, advanced compared to Carson Strong. But Strong's got a cannon of an arm. He can put the ball in tight spaces. And if he gets the draft capital, he's going to matter. So off the board right away, George Pickens, Wondell Robinson, Carson Strong. Jay, how you feeling about those three picks and rookie drafts? 
I'm liking it. You know, I do think, though, that Wandell is going to be a big riser. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of room for him to go up too much, I don't think, because there is a lot of elite talent at the top. And obviously, like you mentioned, the quarterbacks. I do think that Pickens will fall a little bit because of that incomplete production profile versus Wandale, who's coming off a 1,300 receiving yard season. Uh, but like you mentioned, he's he's got to be in the top five because of what he can do and the versatility that he has. But strong, I think you're absolutely right in the sense that a team's going to fall in love with him and could trade up into the back of the first to take him for that fifth-year option. He's just one of those guys that has that tantalizing upside that the NFL just loves to chase. They love those big-arm statue quarterbacks that can stand in there and deliver the ball all over the field, and I think Strong is exactly that. So that's to me, is kind of the main reason why I do like Strong, and I think that if you're passing on those first-round quarterbacks we've seen already, he's a guy who has, still has tremendous upside, and he's not going to cost you the same as even a Sam Howell potentially We'll see where he gets drafted. You know, ultimately, that's going to be the deciding factor. If he goes to a bad team with a bad offensive line, I might be all out on strong in first year to see kind of what happens with him. But the talent is just oozing. And you saw it 70% completion for his past two seasons. And he threw the ball over 500 times. But like you mentioned, I think he was like minus 250 in the rushing yard department this season. So definitely no rushing upside from Carson Strong. Yeah, this is the uh, Evan, this is the issue with Wandell. Um, They've got him listed. Kentucky has him listed at 5'11", 190. I'm not buying that. I mean, you look at his high school profile, I think they had him listed at 5'8 and a half. So if he grew two and a half inches from his high school years, to, which is totally plausible, right? But I'm watching him and I'm like, there's no, because I thought he was more Rondell. I'm like, man, yeah. I don't want another 5'7", 5'8", wide receiver. I just don't want to deal with that. I learned my lesson. If Wandell is truly 5'10", at least 5'10", 5'11", I'm good. You know, Earl Beckham Jr., 5'10", 5'11". Like, I'm fine with that. I'm not that's, – that's okay. If he's 5'7 and a half, 5'8", he's going he's gonna to drop down my board. I just – very rarely do we find those Steve Smith – even Hollywood Brown had his moment and then kind of fizzled out and seeded way to Rashad Bateman. But very rarely are we finding those five foot eight dominant X wide receivers. They just that's why Steve Smith is a potential Hall of Famer. In my opinion, he should be a Hall of Famer. Um, he may not get in first ballot, but if Wandell's five eight, I'm 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 gonna be a lot less bullish on him. So I'm I'm very much interested to see what he tests in at or uh, what he uh, what he measures in at uh, during his combine. I just I need to make sure he ain't five foot eight because I can't. I can't do that again with these diminutive wide receivers. So, uh, interesting off of the board next. Two running backs that I love coming off the board at 204 and 205. At 204, have yet to hear if Zach Charbonnet has actually uh, declared for the NFL draft. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, this past season, transferred in from Michigan, uh, 202 carries, 1,137 yards, 13 TDs, and then 24 more receptions. Uh, Zach Charbonnet produced as a freshman at Michigan. I have no clue what happened his sophomore year, but he transfers to UCLA. And in, uh, you know, in, in a committee-type role, there are two really good running backs at, at uh, UCLA plus a DTR at quarterback. Uh, Charbonnet goes for over 1,100 yards. And there are some people who love him. I'm talking top three running back in this class. He's a one-cut, downhill, no-nonsense hammer that has got soft hands and has got pretty damn good juice, right? I know some uh, miles per hour tracked him, had him going, uh, I think, like 20.9 miles per hour, which is absolutely moving for a player who's six foot one, 220 pounds. So he is a big, big running back. When you watch him, his play style, not 
what he's going to be, but play style, he reminds you of uh, like a Nick Chubb, Jamal Lewis type runner. Like one cut, plant your foot, get downfield and go. Uh, Nick Chubb is just phenomenal at that. We see that every week with Cleveland when they decide to run him. And for those of you young people out there who may not know who Jamal Lewis is, go look up the former Tennessee volunteer great turned Baltimore Raven. Uh, That was just an absolute monster. Also spent some time in Cleveland himself. But just a no-nonsense, one-cut, get-north-and-south hammer that's got speed to take it the distance. Uh, Love Zach Charbonnet. Just I, maybe I missed something, but I still have not seen him officially declare for this draft. Now we we need this class needs Zach Charbonnet. This running back class needs a running back that you can take in the second round. And I love Charbonnet. RB four. Um, I, I like that spot. RB four, RB five for Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I think that's pretty damn solid. And a player who's rising on a lot of people's boards. Running back out of BYU, Tyler Algier. Again, five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty pounds. He self-reported, this is not GQ reporting, this isn't Wake Up With Ray G, uh, he self-reported 4-3-9 in the 40-yard dash. Now, come that, on, that's moving. Self-reported 4-3-9. I didn't, I didn't say this, this. You can go look this up. That's moving, moving. That's faster than Taekwon. That's JT levels of speed. I don't think he's that fast. But you watch him pull away from defenders – He's got more than enough speed, more than enough. I think if you're asking me personally, I think he's more of a low 4-5, low 4-5s. If he runs 4-5-2, that's an amazing time for a 220-pound running back. Now, what I like about Tyler Algier, and this is what, like, think about what needs to happen in order for your mid and late round rookie picks to hit, right? They got to make the team. They got to be good. They got to make the team, and then they have to make the active roster, Here's why Tyler Algier has a clear path to being a, a third third string running back on game days his rookie year. He, he's a converted linebacker, so he played linebacker at BYU. He's a physical runner, so which means you can put him on special teams, right? You can put him on kickoff team, punt coverage, punt return team. He's active on game days. He's playing on game days. And if that happens, you know, running back gets banged up. He's got to come out for a play. An ankle gets turned. Now he moves up from RB3 on the depth chart to the backup running back. And now he's spelling the starting running back. And there's a pathway to opportunity for a player who I think is a talented running back. I think I think Algier, for me, uh, I haven't looked at my rankings. I believe I have him in Tier 3, which would put him around that RB7, RB8 range. He's the perfect mid-round rookie pick flyer that you take a chance on, and then if they get some opportunity, you may get some usable weeks. I have him graded out, Jay, in my film rankings as uh, a solid NFL backup with starter upside. That's like the category category in which his grade came out to. So still not a high-end talent. I'm not going to say he's a top five running back in this class, but he is somebody that I'd want to target. Maybe a little too rich for me here at 205. But I like Tyler Algier. Check out the tape, man. He's got he's got smooth feet, uh, quick decisions in the hole. He's got soft hands to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, I like Algier. Over 1,600 yards uh, this season, 23 touchdowns, uh, 28 receptions, and 199 yards. So 1,600 yards on the ground. And I think PFF, say what you want about their rankings, which are terrible, but their data is legit. They had him ranked, uh, I think he's the number one running back in yards after contact in college football this year. Uh, they had him graded as like a top two running back in college football this year. So uh, he's he's a legit 
Legit running back prospect, a little too rich for me here at 205, but I like Tyler Algier. Now, at 206, coming off of the board is somebody's favorite wide receiver. Not mine, but somebody loves him. And I saw, I know some people in the chat love them some Chris Olave. So Chris Olave, senior out of Ohio State, coming off the board at 206, 65 receptions, 936 yards, 13 touchdowns this year. Um, you know, that Ohio State pass catching room is insane. I mean, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's probably the top-rated wide receiver in 2023. Garrett Wilson, some people's top-rated wide receiver in 2022. And then Chris Olave, not not to not to uh, Emeka Mbuka, uh, uh, Julian Fleming, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. It's just insane talent at Ohio State. Chris Olave, a smooth route runner, um, outstanding body control. His ball tracking ability is there. He's got speed to take it over the top. I just, I, I like him. I like him. I don't love him. I like him, don't love him. Uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me, who does he compare to? I don't know, man. He kind of reminds me of like a, uh, of a great value version, and that's no disrespect. You know, people say poor man's. I'm trying to figure out something else. Um, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, smooth route runner, um, explosive in and out of his breaks. I just, I see good NFL player. When I look at Traylon Burks, when I looked at Jamison Williams, when I look at Drake London, I see special command the ball dominant number one wide receivers. I think Chris Olave is a good compliment. You know, just think, let's play the match game. Chris Olave paired with Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Great fit. They're looking for a number two. They're looking for somebody opposite of Devontae Adams to take some pressure off of Aaron Rodgers and Adams. Great fit for him. Uh, Chris Olave having to go to... Uh, what team needs a number one wide receiver in the worst way? You know, Houston still has Cooks. The Raiders. Cleveland. If he goes to Cleveland, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he can be that top guy for Baker. Like, I don't, I don't know if he can be that guy. I don't know if he can be the guy. I think he's a good complimentary player. I don't know if he's the guy. And when I'm taking shots on wide receivers, I want cats that I think can be the guy. I thought Jamison Williams, and I still think he can be the guy. I think Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and Traylon Burks can be the guy in their offenses. I think Ky uh, Chris Olave can be a guy. And I know a lot of people like uh, like Olave. Uh, and Bruning said Cleveland. I'm seeing Seattle is a good system. Um, we'll see. The Raiders, maybe. Maybe that makes sense. My man Ryan Lopes would absolutely love that if Chris Olave goes to the Raiders. But Chris Olave coming off of the board at 206. Now, hot riser for me. I'm all in. I just need to make sure he's not 5'7", 190 pounds. But if he's 5'8", 5'9", 200, 205, I am all in on the player coming off of the board at 207. Notre Dame running back Kyron Williams. Jay, you know, you know I do not. What I do, I don't throw out frivolous comps for no reason. I don't do that. I got everybody's got a comp for a player day one. Everyone's got a comp for every player in the draft already. Like I, I can't do that. I don't know. I don't have enough information to make definitive comparisons. Shit. As I go back through um, all the players that I've had comps for, it's less than half of the damn class. Uh, when, whenever I'm doing that, because it takes a while to kind of compile everything. Kyron Williams, Jay. Kyron Williams reminds me of Austin Eckler. I mean, he he. I think he has that type of ability uh, from what he can do between the tackles and then just how good he is catching the ball, compact size. He's a physical – he's a player that NFL teams are going to love because 
I, I know this doesn't score fantasy points. I know this. He is by far, I'd say, one of the most physical running backs in this class and the best uh, pass protection running back you can find, which means I think from day one he will be able to be on the field in third down situations. You look at his stats, right? This year, 204 carries, very Austin Eckler-ish, 995 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns, 42 receptions, 359 yards, and three TDs. He's got 78 receptions for 675 yards and four TDs over his last two seasons. He is... He's the, the size, he's listed at 5'9", 195. Austin Eckler, at his pro day, was 5'8", and, and 5 eighths of an inch, or foot, or whatever that 5 slash 8 is. He was 5'8", 190, I think 98 pounds, at his pro day. Austin Eckler. Now, he put on weight at the NFL, they got him bulked up. He's, I think this year he exceeded the most carries that he's ever had. I think he's got like 210 carries on the season. But before that, I think it was like 175, 133. But he's constantly finishing as a, a top five PPR uh, option at running back because he's so good in the receiving game. You can have him on the field on third down situations. And Kyron Williams is that. He is Austin Eckler. Like, I love Kyron Williams' physicality. He's got enough breakaway speed. He's a tough player. You can use him in space. I'm all in. And if you're telling me I can get an Austin Eckler type guy at the running back position here at the 207, sign me up. I, I am ecstatic. I am excited over the moon to potentially get Kyron Williams here at the 207. I know he's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Some people are like, there's no way in hell he weighs 205 pounds. I'm just telling you, Austin Eckler was 5'8", 198 at his pro day. So uh, you can put on some weight. His skill set, his toughness, his three-down ability is why I'm so bullish on Kyron Williams. Uh, interested, Jay? We went through three, Charbonnet, Algier. We went through four, Charbonnet, Algier, Olave, and Kyron. How you feeling about them cats? Um, so I was, I'm thinking about your comp now for Kyron, and I think that it's very simple I think it makes sense. I just, I feel like Austin Eckler is a bit of an outlier. And so I'd almost challenge you and say, is James White maybe a more fair comp for no. Kyron Williams? No. Like James White out of Wisconsin, no. No. 1,400 That's, yards. Nope, nope, nope. Rushing. Nope, nope, nope. Why not though? Nope, nope. It's not an outlier. I mean, we've seen these types. Danny Woodhead was another one of those guys. We see these smaller pass catching satellite plus backs. Um, I, I think when you're talking about the ceiling and what Kyron Williams can become, I think it's Austin Eckler. James White is much more. And I saw somebody talking about James Cook today. Th that inside run that James Cook had last night was by far the best run up the middle of his entire career. He he is the epitome of James White. Uh, you touch James Cook, he's falling down. He ain't breaking no tackles. You're not going to slam him up the middle. He's an outside edge space player that you want to utilize in the passing game. If you carry the ball, you're trying to stretch the stretch the edges with him. Um, he's not he's not James. He's much more physical of a runner than James White. He's much more prolific between the tackles, and he's carried the load as a starting running back for the past three years. Think it's a, I, I don't think it's an, I don't think that's it. So just you stay away from the comps. Just tell me what you think about the players. So I like what you said about Olave, and and so the other thing with Olave that I like is I is I think that he can win in the intermediate, which is a, a skill set that is going to be required in the NFL in the next 
five to 10 years. And for some teams, they've adapted really well. And I almost would comp Olave as far as how I want him to play. It's almost like a Tyler Lockett. I think that the way Tyler Lockett wins running crossing routes at a slightly smaller frame, although I think he is a little bit faster than Olave. Olave can do the similar things and win in that type of way. You know, you talk about a guy like Robert Woods, who's a little bit bigger, a little bit strong, probably similar speed to Chris Olave. I think that's the way he's going to have to win. So a little bit of a scheme fit there for Olave, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Charbonnet, I think, is clearly ahead of Algier, in my opinion. But I think, to your point, you could potentially get him later in rookie drafts because teams are going to kind of overlook him because he played at BYU, especially if he doesn't test overly well. We did the film session with the patrons, uh, what was that, like a week ago? And you could see it in the footwork, which is where I was surprised. The footwork was what surprised me. And it's kind of, I don't want to make the Ramondre Stevenson comp, but another big guy who, you know, produced well, you know, we saw some good things, but it was the footwork that really yeah. separated Ramondre Stevenson in the NFL. And I think Algier could see some similar situations. Um, and if it's that footwork that separates him, I'm going to want him because footwork in the hole is crucial to success at the NFL level for running backs. What do you think about Olave with the Chiefs? Oh, I hate it. I yeah, don't I'm, think I'm I want a wide receiver. Really, wide receiver twos on the Chiefs are not value. I think it would have to be a big time wide receiver. Like if Juju ended up going there where he knew he was getting targets, things like that. Like I, I think there's a scenario where we could see Kelsey take a little bit of reduced role. And then as well, the other thing that, that the Chiefs were missing is that Tyreek Hill wasn't running as many deep routes, right? They obviously couldn't do that because of the way they were being defended. But I think if they had another guy who could run the intermediate potentially, yeah. but Alave there, I just don't like I just don't like the fit. I don't think it works. Man, um I, I'm I think Cleveland actually could be decent if DPJ is really good. But that would that would be more dependent on DPJ more so than Alave. Because I think that Alave can do what Jarvis Landry does now but better, right? He's younger. He's He's got a better skill set now. Jarvis Landry, obviously, advanced age, getting a little bit older. Still a great player, but I think Olave could do what Landry does, but a little bit better. So David agreed with you. I, I, I like to give you a little love. He said, Austin Eckler is an outlier, but here's my thing. How? Like, it's not like he's the only smallish running back that we've seen have success in the NFL. I don't understand how he's an outlier. I mean, Danny Woodhead was a top 12 PPR player. Gio Bernard, people were all over him. Like, we've seen uh, this archetype, this build of a, of a running back uh, have success at the NFL level. And there's a common theme with these type of running backs. They're not the back that you're going to hand the ball to 25 times a game. They're not going to get 350 carries in a season. They're not going to sniff 300 carries in a season. What they do is they're efficient when they get the ball. They, they have the physicality to handle 12 to 15 to 16 touches on the ground, but they are dynamic in space and they're in offensive situations that utilize the running back in pass-catching ways. Like, that, that, to me, that's not the definition of outlier. Like, that's not outlier. That is a, a, a particular type of running back that you target that possesses those unique skill sets that you utilize on your team. Like, we can just, I can rattle off running backs that are not your six foot two, six foot one, 220 pound running backs that have been effective in the NFL. So, it's not, in my opinion, outlier is Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn is outlier. Deuce Vaughn at 5'5. 175 pounds. That's outlier if he ever made it and was good. A five foot nine, 200 pound running back. That's not. That's not outlier. That's that's skill. That's talent. That's hard work. That's overcoming some of the deficiencies of the draft capital of Austin Eckler. But his build and how he's utilizing the NFL offense. Uh, I just disagree. That's not outlier. That's that's scheme. That's talent. And that's 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 the archetype of that 
particular running back that you seek out. That running back doesn't work everywhere. Austin Eckler doesn't work everywhere. If he goes to New England and all they're trying to do is pound him up the middle, it doesn't work. If he goes to that, like that type of running back, you have to have a plan for them. And I think whatever NFL franchise drafts Kyron Williams, they've got a plan for him. So we got to move on. We got to move on. Uh, 208, we're going to go back to the wide receiver pool at 208, and we're going to go to Penn State. At Jahan Dotson, one of the most technically gifted wide receivers in this class, his route running ability, separation creation, he is what I categorize as an SS, separation specialist. Uh, Jahan Dotson is filthy off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's I question a little bit of his speed, but he put that on tape this year that he's fast, more than fast enough uh, to get down the field and break games open. 91 receptions, over 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns, 42%, uh, 42.6% dominator rating and broke out at 20 years old. So a little bit later, he's a senior, uh, spectacular catchability on fleek, as people would say, the young kids. Uh, but Jahan Dotson, he's going to the Senior Bowl. And my prediction, Jordan, is coming out of Mobile, he's going to be one of the hottest names because those drills, one-on-one versus defensive backs, they are made, made for a player like Jahan Dotson. I, I just think he's going to look Head and shoulders better than every other receiver out there at the Senior Bowl. He's going to make those defensive backs look silly, and uh, I, I definitely think uh, he's a, he's a separation specialist. He's gonna he's gonna get it done at the next level. Uh, so I'm I'm in on Jahan Dotson, and if you're getting him at 208, I think that's pretty good value. The wide receiver from Penn State really like uh, really like Jahan Dotson. Now coming off of the board at 209, this one is a little shocking, a little shocking because uh, we didn't know what was going to happen with this player. I wasn't sure if he was going to declare, if he was going to come back. He's somebody that I said was RB3 in the 2022 class coming into the season. He had back surgery, neck surgery. Uh, I didn't think he was going to play this year. And then he comes back on the field. I I can't even believe he had this many yards uh, because it never felt like he was on the field. But I'm talking about the running back from South Carolina, Kevin Harris, Kevin Harris, 5'10", 220 pounds, another one of these massive running backs, right? 151 care, 152 carries, 658 yards, four touchdowns on the season. But, Jay, go pull his stats from uh, last year, what he did as a sophomore um, at South Carolina in his second season. I think it was uh, pretty damn good. I think he went on a tear uh, where he was having uh, ridiculous production towards the end of the season. But Kevin Harris did declare for the NFL draft, and I thought it was a good move. Good move from him. Coming back for his senior season, I don't think it was going to help him much. So Kevin Harris may be a name you all aren't familiar with, but he's a big physical running back with speed. And look at this. People have already said, I've never heard of Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris is nice. <laughs> Kevin Harris is nice. Jay, you got his stats from last season pulled up? Yeah, he had 185 carries, 1,138 yards, 6.2 a carry, 15 touchdowns, 21 receptions, 159 yards, and another touchdown through the air. So that's for his career, almost 2,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, 36 receptions for 300 yards and a touchdown. Um, it was actually me who drafted him here. And it's because I really like his skill set. You know, we we did a breakdown on him last year. Yeah. And the only thing that I think his he's deficient at is his long speed. He doesn't have the long speed for the NFL to break long touchdowns. But we've seen plenty of running backs be able to break long plays. We saw Latavius Murray break a 60-yard touchdown up the middle yeah. at 32 years old. 
Kevin Harris is a running back that can really do everything, and especially when you talk about a guy who can pound it up the middle, can run a zone scheme, can definitely run it between the tackles and obviously still break the edges. We saw him break runs against LSU. We saw him break runs against top SEC competition. Shit, he looked fast Last versus, year, he was really he faithful. Fa- but. He looked fast versus LSU. I'll just say that. He looked fast, <laughs> and that was a good end. I know some people, Jay, who said going into the season he was a lock to run sub four or five. So you're saying he doesn't have breakaway speed? There are some people that were like, well, "Oh, he's going to run sub." There's four a difference five. between breakaway speed and long speed, right? I, I okay. think he's got some Fair breakaway enough. speed, Fair but enough. when you get to the thirty, you know, when you're getting twenty, thirty down the field, I think some DBs are going to start catching up to him, which is fine, you know. When when you're breaking big runs, that's what you want to see. You don't need to see the seventy yard touchdown. You want to see him break the first level, break the second level, and continue to get yards down the field. And Kevin Harris can do that in spades. Love this spot for Kevin Harris. I think he could be a riser, especially if he tests really well. So for me, I think you got you drafted him a little early. I think he still would have been there in the third. Yeah. Um, I don't think you have to spend the 209 to get Kevin Harris, but if you're telling me in the third round, he's sitting there, he's a fourth round pick in the NFL draft. I'm in on Kevin Harris there. I think you I think you reached a little bit, but you had to get your guy. Bruning said Abram Smith over Harris. Um uh, I don't know. Abram is definitely just downhill, physical running back, former linebacker as well. Like Abram Smith, I'll get a chance to see him in a couple of weeks. I don't know if I would do that, but I wouldn't take any of them at, in the second round. I'll just say that. Kevin Harris, for me, more of a third-round pick. Uh, but I don't hate it, man. And, and what you just did is you gave the good people somebody to go YouTube because a lot of people are like, I don't even know who the hell this is. Is this a creative player? Kevin Harris is a good running back. Just unfortunate that he had that injury this year. I think had he played a full season, he was a lock to go over another 1,000 yards in the SEC. And here's the thing. Those 1,100 yards and how many touchdowns did he have last year? That was in, what, 10 games? He went for over 11 yeah, because it was the co- touchdowns. 15 touchdowns and 9 or 10 games from Kevin Harris last year. 10 games, yeah. 10 games over 1,100 yards. So that just tells you the type of talent in the SEC uh, that Kevin Harris had. Now let's go back to the quarterback position and talk about Matt Bruning's favorite quarterback, one Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati coming off of the board at 210. Desmond Ritter, um, you know, 65% completion percentage this year, over 3,300 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 355 yards on the ground, six TDs. Um, We talked about it on the show, man. The Alabama game was a big opportunity, a big audition for Desmond Ritter. I didn't care if they won or lost. I just wanted to see Desmond Ritter uh, display some of the talent and the athleticism. Uh, And just at at the quarterback position, the dynamic playmaking ability. And for whatever reason, Cincinnati just didn't open him up, man. They just, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't open him up. They didn't let him go. I think, I'm trying to be objective here, right? Because I'm not the biggest Desmond Ritter fan, but I also watched that game and it's like they didn't run him. He only took a couple of shots down the field and maybe that was a product of Alabama. I'm not going to. It looked like it was a little fast for Desmond Ritter. It looked a little fast, but Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, they didn't put him in positions I thought to be effective, man. He was second-guessing shit. Um, I don't know, man. What's he going to be, a second-round pick in the NFL, third-round pick? I just... Maybe. I just, I'm not there at 210. I'd rather have the player after him. I'd rather have a couple of players that get drafted after him here, cornering our mock. So I hate I hate when people let me just my big pet peeve is when people tell me to sell them on something. I'm not selling you on shit. Go do, I'm not 
I'm not here to sell you on anybody. So I'm going to say what I hate when people tell me, sell me on Desmond Ritter. I just, I'm not seeing it. I'm not, I'm not seeing NFL. I'm not seeing it with Desmond Ritter. I would, I'd rather take a shot on Bailey Zappi in the middle of the third, opposed to take Desmond Ritter at the 210 spot. But Desmond Ritter coming off at 210, sell me, people. Sell me on Desmond Ritter. Sell me. All right. 211, we're going wide receiver. And again, coming around a little bit more on this guy. We'll see how it plays out. But Justin Ross, wide receiver out of Clemson, um, I, he's not the elite level prospect that we once saw. I'm just, I was just so happy to see Justin Ross on the field again after the spinal fusion neck injury. Like there was some chance and thought that he wouldn't play again. Um, he gets back on the field, uh, 47 receptions, 525 yards, three touchdowns this past season. Incredible uh, for, for a player who was off for like a year and a half, right? Neck and spinal injury. Um, so I'm just, I'm happy to see Justin Ross on the field. Far cry from his freshman season where he went 46 receptions, 1,000 yards, nine TDs, and truly looked like the next great Clemson wide receiver. Um, that following year, I think T. Higgins sort of dominated that offense and shown that he was the true alpha. I called him T. Higgins' apex predator. But Justin Ross, I still think there's some talent for him to be a solid wide receiver at the next level. Not in on him as an elite asset, but at 211, if you're telling me, you know, Kevin Harris or Justin Ross, I take my chances on Justin Ross. Again, just incredibly happy to see him play football. And I think the NFL, they're going to tell us what they feel about him where he's drafted, how comfortable they are with his neck. Um, I'm knocking on wood because we wish no injuries on players. Um, but, you know, the last wide receiver coming out of Clemson that had neck and spinal injuries, Mike Williams, he's had sort of a roller coaster NFL career. Uh, sometimes he looks fantastic and other times he's non-existent. So it's going to be interesting to see where Justin Ross gets drafted. Uh, really happy for the player, really like the player. But I, I do think I would prefer every wide receiver that we mentioned uh, ahead of him uh, before I would dive into the uh, Justin Ross pool. Should be top 10, uh, probably slots in around wide receiver 9 for me, uh, which I think is an appropriate slot for Justin Ross. And rounding out the two-round Superflex Rookie Mark Draft 5.0, B-Rob. B-Rob was on the field last night. Uh, fell a little short versus Georgia, but Brian Robinson, uh, the fifth-year senior, 248 carries, over 1,200 yards, 14 TDs, uh, 32 receptions, two touchdowns. Listen, um, <clears throat> B-Rob is a hammer, and I was watching him versus Georgia last night. I wanted to see what he can do. Um, he, had a, he had a couple of nice runs in the game. I just, I, I think he's just a backup running back, right? I, I think at the next level, Brian Robinson is a backup running back that, if called into duty, could, could give you some production. But when you're talking about um, high-end fantasy starter, long-term starting running back, Weekly, you can count on them, you know, week in and week out. No, it's, it's, it's a hard pass for me. I think he's a solid backup player that if called into duty, um, you know, he can, he can get it done. Uh, I'm seeing people in the comments. Leo, I feel you, baby. Leo, I feel you. Leo says in the comments, what? No, uh, <laughs> no Rashad White? I'm with you. I'd much rather Rashad White over Brian Robinson. Um... I'm looking at our third round, <sighs> James Cook. I just, honestly, the best run of his career happened last night up the middle. Uh, just watching it, you blow on James Cook and he's falling down. 
I don't know, man. Where are you at with Ross, with Ritter, with Brian Robinson, Jay? Uh, Ross is tricky for me because, you know, obviously you mentioned the injury and that's the biggest concern with him. How do teams feel about him? He kind of gives me some Terrace Marshall vibes, you know, a lot of talent that we've seen on the field, but a lot of injury history on top of that. So Terrace Marshall, obviously second round pick to Carolina, lengthy injury history for him. Ross's injury is even more serious. So I think that if you're using that as kind of a gauge, you're probably looking at third round pick on the high end. Ritter, honestly, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to draft him anywhere. It's just I'm just not saw the Alabama game was very disenthused. You know, we talked earlier in the year about Malik Willis when he played Ole Miss looked terrible, like just looked overmatched. You can say competition. You can say the the people he like players he has around him. Maybe it's a bit of everything, but I don't know. It's just when you look so bad, how do you kind of justify it? Brian Robinson, he is what he is. He he's actually a better pass catcher than I'll probably ever give him credit for. Yeah, he, he had three hundred. He yeah. had I think two hundred and thirty receiving yards. He caught thirty six passes this year. I, I was honestly watching that game yesterday. I was like, why aren't they just throwing angle routes to Brian Robinson? Because he is cooking these linebacker safeties when he comes out of the backfield. I'm I'm thinking maybe he could be like a Joyke Bell. You know, remember Joyke Bell back oh, in the day? He wasn't oh, the Joyke best running Bell. back, actually, but he was actually, actually a pretty a he was a pretty good, good pass job. catcher, right? So you think about a guy who you don't really want on your fantasy team, but if he starts, maybe catch some passes, can run the ball. Obviously, the Alabama pedigree, smart player, lots of experience. You never know. But second round, I'm I'm passing on that. You know, third round, fourth round, I'm all in. But second round is a little bit too rich in my blood. For uh, I'm like talking about third round, B Rob. You're talking about for B-Rob? Yeah. I, yeah. Bruning it's, says, it's, Bruning it's said, like you talked about, third round for sure. Bruning said Abram Smith over B-Rob as well. At this yeah. point, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, is damn Abram Smith, Bruning's RB5 in the class? I like Abram Smith too. B-Rob, again, I just think he's, he's a, a backup. He's going to be – he's going to make it 53. He's got to roll at the next level. But how, how useful is that? Because he's not going to be – I guess – here we go. Here's here's Brian Robinson. Best case scenario, I got it. I, I got the comp for Brian Robinson. It's Daryl Williams. There you go. He could be Daryl Williams at the NFL level, <laughs> right? Like Daryl Williams, yeah. he ain't gonna flash you doing anything. He gets to the one yard line and just scrunches, scrounges his way in the end zone. He gets two touchdowns. His final stat line. 10 carries, 26 yards, two touchdowns, five receptions, 41 yards out of nowhere. That's, that's in my opinion, that's Brian Robinson. He's a Daryl Williams, Deontay Foreman type running back, uh, not a consistent starter. Uh, but here you go at the back, back end of the second round, Brian Robinson. So let's just recap round two for everybody tapping in. George Pickens kicked it off at 201. Wondell Robinson, 2-2. Carson Strong, the big signal caller out of Nevada at 2-3. Charbonnet and Tyler Algier, two running backs, 204-205. Olave, Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, 206. Kyron Williams, 207. Jahan Dotson, 208. Kevin Harris, go look him up, 209. Wouldn't take him there. Jay Rich, somebody told me to sell me, sell them on you. So we got to sell the people on you being on this show, uh, drafting Kevin Harris at 209. Desmond Ritter at 210. Justin Ross, I kind of like the Ross pick at 211. I know there's a lot of injury risk there, but the upside if he does fire at 211. And then Brian Robinson at 212. So there is an early look, and we're going to do this once a month. Uh, until the NFL draft, a live mock on the show. And we may do one where we get y'all involved and y'all make the picks. We'll figure out how the hell to do that. But overall, 
Um, major takeaways for me from this draft, if I'm looking at building my dynasty roster, um, wh- what do we do? I think at the quarterback position, there's just there's a lot of uncertainty. And what I ask you all, and my advice to you, is don't spin your, don't spin your wheels trying to figure out um, which guy's going to go first, how many are going to go. Like, let the NFL sort of dictate that. If they're drafted in round one, they're going to matter. They're definitely going to get an opportunity to start, and we'll see how long that lasts for. Is it a season? Is it two? Is it three? If they're drafted second round, third round, I, I, I would just – I'm not touching them in round one of the rookie draft. I, I just – first of all, I don't believe we'll have any consensus on who the top quarterback is. Some people say Willis. Some people say Howe. Some people say Matt Corral. Some people are saying Kenny Pickett. And, hell, some may say Carson Strong's got the highest upside. There's no need in – like, just – I'm not going to dive into that this year. I don't have the energy to do it. It doesn't matter. The NFL can't get it right. Damn it, we barely can get it right. So if they're drafting in round one, those are the quarterbacks you want. Running back position, Jay, if I asked you, the t- whoever your top guy is in 2022, where would they compare for you from 2020 and 2021? Like, would any of these guys be higher than Javante, ETN, Najee, JT Swift, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. That's eight right there. Would any of these guys crack the top eight from the past two years? Absolutely not. Um, Definitely going back to 2021, there's no way. Um, The top three are still going to be the top three. I think there's potential for four. You know, we talked about Elijah Mitchell. Would you keep him at four because of situation and because of where he is not knowing draft capital yet. Um, But definitely the top three is staying at the top three. And I have no problem with that. Um, Brees Hall, maybe, you know, Isaiah Spiller, maybe. I don't know, man. I just couldn't do that. I I, I think they're too talented. I couldn't. It's a completely different story. They are spectacular. I, I wouldn't take Spiller over the top eight. And I think Elijah Mitchell slides in there somewhere. You know what I mean? So you're looking at the best running back from this class potentially being, if you combine the last two classes, at best, top eight, RB8, RB9, maybe RB10. Get the guy that you want. Now, when we we talk about the receivers, I think this is where the high-end talent is. And if you're asking me, everyone knows how much I love Devontae Smith coming out, how much we all love Jamar Chase. If I had to lump in any of the wide receivers combined, like – Right now, I have Traylon Burks rated higher than I did Devontae Smith, right? So, looking at 2021, I think it's Jamar Chase clear-cut, and then you've got the the mixture of Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, but I think Traylon Burks, I believe uh, Garrett Wilson and Drake London slide right in that mix somewhere, right in that mix. They're already in that mix, whereas... The running backs, I just want to see them get the draft capital to matter. I know some people think uh, Isaiah Spiller is not very good. Some people don't think Brees Hall is very good. Maybe you just wait and take a player like Rashad White, who we didn't mention um, in this mock. I promise you he got drafted, um, but a lot lower than you all expect and uh, probably need to fix that. It wasn't my call. Wasn't my call. If you want the third round, come support the show, patreon.com forward slash prospect talk, so you can see all the mock, all the ADP stuff. Uh, the running back position, kind of weak. Wide receiver position, strong. You see we have not talked tight end. Trey McBride, Jalen Weidermeyer, that's the battle for tight end one. I think Trey McBride may go off the board first in the NFL draft. Um, it's good class, not great. You got to get your guy. Like I think you just throw traditional – dynasty value strategy out the window go get your damn guy get the best player available 
I would be absolutely sick if I'm sitting there at 108 and the value play is the quarterback and you draft Malik Willis and you pass on uh, Garrett Wilson, you pass on Drake London, you pass on these guys and they turn out to be top 15 positional players and you're just left holding the QB 28 bag, I, I'd be sick. Like, I'd be sick. So I don't think I can do it. What are some of the takeaways that you notice from looking at all these mocks, from tracking the ADP? What do you think? I think the biggest thing for me is, like you mentioned without saying it, is that I'm probably going to go wide receiver round one. I probably don't want an overly high rookie pick. If I had a high rookie pick, I'd probably be looking to trade down. It does suck, though, because, you know, we were looking at Burks, Wilson, and Williams, right, as our top three tier one wide receivers, the guys we were really targeting in round one because we really believe in that elite ceiling. Williams hurt now, kind of circling back to the original question is where would we take him overall? And I think you take him right before Chris Olave. You know, I think that Jamison Williams upside, even being injured, is worth a pick more than Chris Olave. Chris Olave is a good receiver, but he's never going to be Jamison Williams. I think that Charbonnet and Algier, based on you know, you know the ADP we have right now from this mock, they do have some upside there if they go to the right situation. Um, not to say that, they're, that Jamison Williams isn't more talented than them, but being hurt, probably not playing for most, if not all of the first season. Um, Carson Strong, you know, I mentioned why I love him. Wandale, we'll see how he tests. And Pickens, ultimately, we'll have to see how he looks throughout the process. But I think he could be a riser. Um, but Dotson, you mentioned, is the guy that will have the Terry McLaurin-esque rise, senior bull star type stuff. Um, we'll see where he gets drafted. But another guy that could be a riser. But I think Williams slotting in somewhere right above Olave, depending where Olave shakes out, is the perfect value for him. Uh, but yeah, I'm probably going wide receiver round one and potentially wide receiver round two. I- I'm seeing a lot of comparables to last season where you have a few good running backs and a lot of talented wide receivers. Even still, you know, I got running backs when I could, but usually I was going wide receiver, wide receiver. And that's just kind of how I played my drafts. I like those back end first picks, high end second picks, and then we'll see from there on out. But then you're just targeting running backs after that in the third, fourth round, hoping one shakes out. Thank you for answering the question. I completely forgot. Yeah, JMO, I think he's a mid second. I, I would still take Jamison Williams mid second. Um, before Olave, I don't know. Before Dotson, I don't know. But if I'm sitting there at 207, 206, I think JMO's a – I mean, it's not a death sentence. He tore his ACL. He'll be back. He'll be fine. Um, y'all remember, tomorrow we've got the Q&A. So whatever questions you have, if you got questions about uh, who the hell Kevin Harris is or who the hell Abram Smith is, make sure you tweet the show so we can get that loaded up, get y'all on here. We're just going to talk. We're going to talk through Dynasty. I saw some good questions about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, what we're doing with Clyde. What's the best uh, potential landing spot for some of these coaches for our fantasy teams? Um, So make sure you get your questions in. We'll do this tomorrow. But uh, good show, good show. If you want all the access, you know the Patreon stuff, look in the description. I appreciate y'all tapping in with us every single damn morning that we're here. Love the communication in the the comments. Keep it coming. Uh, Go check out some of those players. Go check out Kevin Harris. Go check out Abram Smith and stay tapped into the show. We'll be back to holla at y'all tomorrow. Subscribe, like, tell your friends. We out. Peace.